Well, good evening, Astounding Love. Welcome to Wednesday night where we are live. <laughs> uh, surprisingly, we are live and we are doing Kingdom 101 Relationships. I'm Pastor Lanzine Lee. I think y'all know that. But in case you are new to our gathering, then let me go ahead and introduce myself to you. I'm Pastor of Astounding Love, a Global Church Fellowship. We are currently a home-based fellowship, or I would just say off-site type of fellowship located in Manteca, California. And I'm honored to serve alongside of our apostle, Dr. Baker, J. Baker. And that's then uh, a whole lot of really wonderful ministry people. So I'm saying that also to let y'all know, I got this really groovy, nifty backdrop here that I love this Kingdom 101. This was made by my friend and little sister, Apostle Jennifer Foster, because I want it sparkle and pink. So I got it. So anyway, those are the new things. Typically, I'm not live when I'm by myself uh, these days because I have fun being able to share Bible studies with other people. But there were a few changes in schedules tonight. So we're going to have to do something a little bit different. Uh, but what I did want to do anyway, I was thinking that I wanted to kind of follow up some more on the 17 minutes or so that I taught last week. And I want to give you all an opportunity to respond to some of the homework kind of things that we talked about. Uh, the comments are open, so you'll be welcome to uh, ask, ask, and we'll try to answer some of those questions for you. And we'll see what else it is that we come up with tonight. So I'm going to go back and I want to thank Minister Frederick Johnson. He's our online minister because he did write down the questions in the com uh, from the last broadcast. And so you are able, uh, well, I don't suppose you can do it at this moment, but if you had the opportunity to do that, and I'm always paying attention to who does homework and who follows in instructions and things, because I'm always looking to see who I get to work with. Uh, you know, that that's already kind of in line with the pattern that we've established. But this is one that has to do more with us all walking together in fellowship one with another to be able to do um, to be able to do kingdom business and to really be able to manifest. So I am going to focus on I was reading through the questions and, and he basically just kind of did a transcription of some of the last things that I said at the close of what we talked about and what we came up with, or one of the questions that it said is, uh, I wanted to know if you are living, uh, on, do you honestly believe that you are what God says that you are? And then I answered the question for you. I said, it's in two parts. Yes, you really are what God says you are. But the question is, but do you live as though you are, or are you trying to cover something or to do or do something else? And so I said to do the homework and the homework was just to answer the questions. That was basically it. Answer these questions, play it back and listen, write down. You can pause it once it's on replay and you can write the questions down and then you can at, talk to the spirit of God and you can see what he has to say to you. Because, you know, in this thing, we can do a self-assessment. And when we're listening to the spirit of God constantly, we will get the honest truth. We'll get the truth about ourselves. And it's not as painful as we think, because it means that if we're willing to listen to truth, then we're, we're ready to fight for breakthrough. We're ready to allow ourselves to be taken through what God wants to do so that uh, we, we have to, let me just say it this way. We, we really allow ourselves to be 
cleansed, purified, and best of all, loved. So the other thing was that I had asked, I had challenged the ministers uh, on the broadcast, it was about two weeks ago, and I had talked, had a couple of them on, including Minister Frederick Johnson, and I asked them to allow God to express his joy, his love, and his desires into your lives on a level that pleases him. That's a paraphrase. And that to think, to allow him to think the way he wants us to think and not according to our assessment or our judgment, meaning our opinion, because I can ask you those things and you already have an answer to the question, but is it the spirit's answer or is it just um, sometimes, you know, we want to pop in there and give an answer because we don't want to hear because we feel that we may be confronted or there's a whole lot of reasons. But since that's the vein that I'm actually walking in in my own life, I, I don't like to teach topically on something that I'm not looking for ways to incorporate in my life. Even when I'm teaching, I'm, I've begun to teach on the tabernacle and that in and of itself can be a little daunting because there are so many excellent uh, apostles and, you know, scholars and, that teach and, and teach um, really well and know it in, in and out. And I'm having to, I've studied it very little. I have sat in on some of this incredible teaching, but did not think that I would be one that would have to also uh, iterate or teach it myself. But I was given this as an assignment and I'm very grateful for it. Because it's not just studying about the tabernacle, but it's looking at it from 21st century kingdom mindset and, and learning how to see it as a son of God, instead of seeing it as a Bible scholar or some kind of uh, teacher, you know, um, there's nothing wrong, obviously, with being either, either one of those things, but to learn to, to do these things and to release the word of God from the place of relationship is very, very different from simply having a revelation or an encounter. Those are breakthroughs that we have, but always the release of it is to be in the pattern of the way Jesus, the Christ would, would do it, does it wants it done. And that is always to say that I speak what I see my father, um, say or do. I, I'm repeating my father because Jesus told his disciples, go tell my disciple, or I call you, um, or I'm going to my father and your father. And that I don't call you just disciples, your brothers. He saw us as family. That was the whole intent all along was to come and get God's family. This was what we have been reborn into is sonship. And so when you teach or learn about the tabernacle, you've got to receive the message of it as a son of God, as, as God's son. And it's the same thing in any other relationship. And this is a depth of it that when I first started teaching even this kingdom one-on-one relationships, I didn't have the understanding that I'm growing into because it comes over time. It comes with the nurturing and the developing and the willingness to be broken from even your self-styled beliefs that you, 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 you know, I've, I've got something. My, my brother, one of my brothers gave me a, a sign uh, long ago in my office when we were in San Jose and it's a cute little sign, a uh, name, a plaque or nameplate. And what it says on it is I'm kind of a big deal. 
And he told me that when he purchased that for me, he said, Holy Spirit told him to buy it because I would think it was funny. In other words, the Spirit of the Lord knew I will never take that seriously. I'm kind of a big deal. No, I'm really, no, that's not the way I want to be. I don't want all of that kind of stuff in life. But I just thought, how fun is it? that somebody was listening to the spirit of the Lord and the Lord gave him the spirit of the Lord gave him a little insight into uh, who I am and what I'm like that he would say, you could buy her that sign because she will never believe it. That's never going to be uh, what she, you know, how she, how she is. And I learned that about myself. I knew it in one sense that if you had uh, presented an idea, oh, you think you're something that I would just kind of look at you like, no, seriously, I do not. But that the Lord thought it was funny, that it was that it was something that pleases him. And he smiles at me about that. That started drawing me closer to relationship. You know, there's a scripture that says that it is your kindness that leads us to a change of heart. It leads us to repentance and that we have this opportunity not to continue to be the way that we have been, but that we can actually move into something where we can just be the way that the father wants us to be the way that we were really originally designed to be. And so that's the purpose of these questions and even the conversation about relationship. When you as a husband, you as a wife, you as a parent, you as a, whatever if the relationship dynamic as a friend, when we relate to each other as sons of God, we will treat each other better because we're going to relate to, first of all, to our father and the way he does things. And then alongside of that, we start to gravitate and move toward the way that we treat one another. Um, because I look at the way Yeshua Jesus, the way Jesus of Nazareth treated his friends and he treated his friends with a kindness and a courtesy and an understanding. And even when he was frustrated with them, he still, he was straightforward, but never was he hateful and never was he judgmental. And I can't even find any place in the word of God where he gossiped about Judas Iscariot. I can't find anything in the word of God where he mumbled and grumbled about Judas. And after all I did for him, and this is what he does. And he betrays me this way. And I mean, there was none of that. It was father, forgive them because they don't know. They don't understand. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they do it. They don't, they're, they're really in darkness. They're, that's what ignorance means. And so how do we become something such as that other than to be maturing as sons of God? It's maturing people so many. I, I don't know what your definition of that might be, but I know that for a lot of people, the, the thought of maturing, it's more along the lines of being an adult and they're thinking about, I, I'm not really sure, Um I think it's in terms of a, a certain behavior I've arrived. I'm, I'm able to sit at the big kids table and a whole lot of that kind of stuff. And I, you know, I can get more privileges and I can do this. I, you can write down your own definitions of maturity, but what I see as a mature son of God is a person that is perfecting humility and perfecting the art, the, 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 um, the principles of forgiveness and walking free of bitterness and choosing to love even when somebody doesn't love you back. I read a lot of posts sometimes 
uh, or people like to put these things out there like, well, I know that if you don't, I, I give up on these people that don't even want to call me back and don't want to do this and don't want to do that because I know now what a friend is. And it's like, no, seriously, that's not the kingdom. That is not the way it is in the kingdom. I mean, we can yay and say, hey, I understand. And we do understand. But do you understand from emotions or do you understand from spirit? How often do you actually walk in the spirit so that you don't fulfill the lust of the flesh as opposed to walking in the flesh and trying your best to be on your best behavior, but still thinking the thoughts and still feeling the emotions and still going through the, the same things over and over without somewhere along the lines being arrested by the spirit of God to say, do you see it for what it really is? Or are you too busy looking at it just the way you see it according to how it affects you? Because forgiveness does not need to be asked for in order to be released into somebody. In other words, you do not have to seek me for forgiveness for me to forgive you. In other, I would hold a grudge against you until you come and ask me for forgiveness. That is not the way of the kingdom. And that is not the way of it in relationships. Many people, they require somebody to come and bow down to them and, and to and to basically ask permission to kiss their feet in, or, in order to give get forgiveness. When the Bible does not support that, the kingdom mandate or the kingdom constitution does not support our holding somebody in bondage until they seek to be free. That's not the way it works. So I forgive you before you bring the offense. And then that allows me to be free of walking around as an offended individual in whatever kind of relationship we're talking about. Uh, one of the words we looked at, and I'll come back to that. One of the words that we looked at last week was the word kin, K-I-N. And it's defined as, as kindred or those that are like uh, uh, your neighbors, your uh, relatives, kinsmen, uh, those that are of the same blood as you, or they call it a clan, C-L-A-N-Y, because clan meant family, your family, all right? Um, the folks in your house, your lineage, um, your sock, your tribe, the company that you keep, this is your kin, your closest kin. This is relationship. This is what we're talking about, about being vitally connected and abiding together in the vine. Jesus said, um, this is where we're to be. He is the vine. We are the branches. We abide in him. And so this is the commonality that, or you will, this is the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the son of God, according to Ephesians four, this is what we're equipped to do. And if somebody still has to beg your forgiveness, you are in the wrong. And it's simply that if you feel that way is what I'm, I'm talking about. Some people, that's how they think. I beg your forgiveness because they're feeling remorse and we're thinking, but you haven't jumped through enough hoops for me and I'm still hurt and I'm still mad and I'm still this and that and the other. And so the whole focus and the whole idol, the idolatry starts with you in that case. You are the one that requires other people to worship you in order for you to feel satisfied. They've got to make sacrifices to you um, in order to get your forgiveness, in order to be released from your anger or to, to be brought back into the circle again. There's a, there's a lot of things 
that we look at in terms of uh, relationship dynamics that are, yeah, they're dynamite, but they're, it's a it's a cheap form of a of a of a blow up. It's not acceptable. Do you understand? This is how that's the standard. Not that I set for you, but that I set for myself because I want to walk in the sonship. I want to walk in the sun, the light, the blessing, the power, the freedom. See, that's what freedom is. I'm free to not be, hold you in judgment. I'm free to not hold you in bondage in my mind. I'm free to walk in a different way from the expectation according to um, forms of discrimination and forms of bigotry and forms of judgment. I cannot and I seriously mean this, cannot tell you the number of people that have uh, opinions of me that God does not have. I cannot tell you the number of people that have talked about me, have said things or found fault. I don't know who says what. I really do not. And I actually don't care. When, when it comes to me, when somebody tells me, oh, I heard this about you or somebody accuses you of this or that, that's my moment to take, to step back into, uh, you know, any place in the spirit where I have been kind of like walking away, but to step very deeply, to sit back in my seat in Christ and to take on his heart and to take on his feelings and to take on his emotions, his mind, because my natural human tendencies are going to always go towards point, uh, point towards self-worship. They're always going to want to take care of me, me, and only me. I want everybody to pay attention to what is happening with me. And I want everybody's behavior to shift according to the atmosphere that my attitudes have set up. That's the way self works. And that's me getting indignant because you didn't call me. You did not speak to me. You did not do what you said that you were going to do. I mean, come on. It goes on and on and on. The number of things that we can come up with that people say and do that we can use as an excuse or as a reason to uh, bounce, <laughs> to knock them off the pedestal, to just say, you know what? I don't want to have anything else to do with you. That is not maturity. That's what we're talking about. A mature son is prone toward, again, forgiveness. Why am I continuing with this tonight? Because it's, it's, it's in the spirit realm. And this is where the spirit of the Lord wants to take it. So we have to look at these aspects of ourselves. We have to look at how we are choosing uh, to choosing our friends or rejecting people. Uh, what's the number one reason? And that's a really good question. Uh, you can post your comments if you want. What is, in your opinion, a, no, a, a very good reason to dump somebody? And I'm going to take a guess that some of us will say because they cheat on us, because they're unfaithful, um, because they lied about us or betrayed us or they stole from us. I mean, all of those are very valid reasons uh, because we don't like them. They change toward us ever since some terrible thing happened in their lives. They've been this way. They backbite. They they, they betrayed you. I mean, all of those reasons there, plus whatever you come up with, um, those are some of the things that we would say, now that's my reason to cut ties uh, with people. That's my reason to go, I, you know, I don't cut ties with people. God cuts them. I don't 
have to dump people in my life. I, I, I seriously do not have to do that. If there's something that is not going to be good for me, if there's something that it's like, this is not going to, you know, it's, it's going to be harmful. It's going to be detrimental. My father takes care of it. And that way I don't have to go around telling everybody about, yeah, I had to get rid of Chumley because, you know, he or she was mm -mm, no child. Do you know the last time? No, I have nothing to do with those people anymore. Things of that sort can get you back into bitterness, can get you into unforgiveness, can get you into gossip, can get you into backbiting, can get you into a whole lot. Why did your marriage end? Uh, mutual decision or uh, the, the people that we were, were never going to do right. I mean, it's something along those lines, but assigning blame to somebody else is a failure to take responsibility for your own actions. My things don't work out because of my choices. And yeah, but that person didn't come through. And yes, this I'm not, I'm not making excuses for somebody else. I'm simply not going to discuss it if it's not relevant to what it is we have to do. I'm not going to satisfy your curiosity about my past. It's that simple. Is it hidden? Nope, sure isn't. I don't have any skeletons in a closet. I don't like skeletons. Funny story, true too. Um, where I grew up in Vallejo, California, I lived in a house with my grandmother for a lot of my uh, growing up years. And the house was two stories. Um, it was really cool because the house itself was like on the top. You had to walk up the stairs and you were on the top floor. But you could walk through the kitchen and there was a basement that you walked downstairs and you're in the basement. Or you could walk outside the side door, the back door and go downstairs and you were in the backyard. So the house was mounted even though it didn't look like it from the street. It was a raised or two-story two house. Well, down in the garage, I mean, the in the uh, there was no garage, but down in the basement was where the washing machine was. And we didn't have dryers. We had clotheslines. We, I didn't see electric dryers for quite a few years or gas either. But we did have uh, inside, indoor uh, clothes hanger, clothesline, a clothesline, sorry. And we had an outdoor one. And we also in this basement, so there was where the washing machine was in one area. You came down the stairs, you could walk straight across and there was the washing machine and the window that looked out the back. And on the other side, if you walked down the stairs and you made a right, you found an inner chamber. There were two additional storage areas in this, in this uh, uh, basement, two more storage areas. Well, on one of them was a skull and crossbones. The the uh, that symbol of of us uh, for me that was all the skeleton I needed to see, and every time I came down those stairs because I had to deal with the laundry, I would just look straight over to the washing machine and shoot on over there. But the piano that we had was downstairs, right next to the skull and crossbones, and so. I didn't like it. I didn't like that skeleton staring at me. I don't know where it came from. I don't know if pirates had the house before we moved into it. I'm not sure what it was, but it was a closet, if you will, with a skeleton on a face of a skeleton, the skull of the skeleton on, on top. And so skeletons in the closet is not just a Stevie Wonder song for me. It is something or an expression, but it is something that I literally remember from childhood. And it was like, I have no desire to hide anything in that room. I think the only time I ever even went into that little room was when I was with my grandmother. And trust me, I was all up underneath her skirts because I didn't even want to look at it. So my point being nothing with that, that's just a story I remember. And I thought it was fun. But again, I don't have 
secrets at, that, you know, things that if they were exposed, it would be shameful. I do have some things that if I, uh, they got exposed, if I haven't already told them, it would be like, Ooh, that was scandalous. Yes, it was, but it's not me. It's a dead person I'm talking about. It's not the person that I was meant to be. It's the person that I was while I was learning that I had a true identity and it wasn't the one that I had from the world. So that's kind of the way I regard it. And anything that you're still shamed of is something that you need to get healed from and delivered from because the fact that you can still feel the shame of a, whether it was a violation against you, which speaks of rape or um, some, some other form of abuse and you feel still the victim sting, then that's the kind of thing that you go to the Lord and you go to whoever he sends you to that's qualified to help you to break free of that. But you're not supposed to live your whole life in the shame of your past. I don't know if you know that, but in the kingdom, you see all of that stuff is wiped away in the church in Christianity, sometimes in religion, let's just put it in religion, religious circles. Many people are, are told to continue to feel ashamed. You should, that's a, that's a stain upon your life. And when we talk about things like the blood of Jesus, we understand, no, that's a defilement and the blood of Jesus cleanses you from that. That has never been your mark that you're supposed to wear all your life. If you know your classics, then you may be familiar with the story called the Scarlet Letter. And that was where uh, there was a character, her name was Hester Prynne. And she, because she had a child out of wedlock, and that's a scandalous story, I'm not gonna go into it, uh, but she had to wear A, a Scarlet A on her, uh, on every article of clothing. They didn't have a lot of different uh, changes of clothes, but it was to stand for adulteress. She was a scarlet woman. And that's where kind of where that expression or originated, or at least it, it tells the story of why they would say she's a scarlet woman. It was because of that letter that she had to wear. She was an adulterer. And of course the man did not. She's carrying that child. She's walking it through the town with that child. And she was forever shunned and shamed because she wouldn't tell anybody who the father was, nor did she ever marry. So these are the kinds of things that, that it, it shows the hypocrisy of religion. And it shows the judgments that we put on people that God does not put on us because he said the sin has been judged. And through the blood of Jesus and through the love of Jesus, through this relationship with Jesus, we are forgiven. We are not held uh, captive to our past unless we allow ourselves to be because we think the wrong thoughts and we won't allow our thoughts to be changed. Uh, so prayerfully, that's going to answer something for someone tonight. And you'll understand you can walk free of it. Whatever it is that it, it, it that was done in the past, that does not define you. The word of God defines you, the, the will of God and the love of God for you. He's the person that tells us who we are. And he sees us through the blood of Christ. He sees us through his love and he sees us according to his plans and purposes for us, whether we ever choose to fulfill them or not. So if I have any questions, please feel free to post them. I'm still not going to be on too long, uh, but I wanted to, to get that part out. Now I want to go back to this homework again. Do you live as though you are who God says that you are? Or are you trying to cover something or do something else? Meaning a pretender, an actor, a fake, you everything's fine. You already know the answers. As soon as somebody tells you, this is what the word, oh yes, I know God told me that. And this is 
what um yeah i know i know i know i know and you always know but you never show it's never seen it's never evident there is no fruit no one can eat off of it because you're a liar and you're lying because you're hurt you're lying because you're insecure you're lying because you're afraid you're lying because it's what you've been trained to do you're lying because you feel desperate to hold on to an image if it if you if you're ever transparent the lie of the adversary is that nobody's going to like you. They would never like you if they really knew what you were like. Well, I hate to tell you this, but most people can kind of tell what you're like because you're going to smell like the spirit that you're that you're connected to. So we can perfume a pig if we want to, but it's still a pig and it's going to probably mess up the bacon that it was probably meant for. But do, do you catch what I'm saying here? You don't have to pretend. You shouldn't pretend. It, it prolongs your uh, time of deliverance and healing. And some people can look in the spirit and they can see. And also you can hear in the spirit realm by the words that we say, the way that we say them, and the the, the mannerisms. There's all kinds of, of tells, if you will, things that tell on you or tell on the devil. Because as soon as we choose to lie, we have put ourselves in agreement against God. We have set ourselves up on the opposite side because God, the Holy Spirit's name is the spirit of truth. And only when we tell the truth, do, do we find ourselves back in that place with God. And people try to, they say, well, I'm just being honest, or I'm just being transparent. And they're, they're, they're not being truthful because I'm telling you this stuff to, to, because my motive on the inside is to get rid of an emotion or it's to do this or it's to do that. And it's something other than what God is saying. And so I, I want to ask you, what do you need help with to, to cross over to this? Because we're still, no matter how far we go, we're still going to always land back in your relationship with God. And your relationship with yourself, because whatever else you want to do in business, in marriage or uh, parenting, whatever it is, if you or I are walking as anything other than one that is secure in their sonship, in God, in Christ, in, because of Christ, it, the sonship, being the son of God, if we walk as bastards, if we walk as those that feel that we are outside of the camp and that there is no place for us, then we don't ever settle into the true victory. We may have a form of godliness, but we do not walk in the power of the love of God for us. And we don't walk in the miraculous to the degree that he has it for us. And we don't actually fulfill the plans and life becomes kind of drudgery. It's a drudgery because everything that we're doing is works. It's not faith that works by love. And so I, I really sense that this is something that the spirit of God is saying, stop pretending stop. It's you're miserable. <laughs> you're absolutely miserable or lonely or this or that. You don't trust anybody because you can't trust yourself or you trust people with the ugliest parts of you, but you don't allow the vulnerable part, the soft part. You'll, you'll show this part of yourself, but you won't even let your own self see you as you really are with the brokenness of your heart, because maybe you believe the lie that nobody would stand with you or stay. And, and you know, there are people that will abandon ship 
there's no doubt about it. And that's kind of part of sometimes the deliverance from God saying, yeah, you let him go. But there is a friend that is closer than a brother. And there are people in the body of Yeshua that have been raised up to help to raise you up. And I know this is true. It sometimes has taken a moment to find the tribe. And really, that was because I wasn't willing to admit that I needed one. And there was a time when I didn't trust so that I wasn't willing to say I need help. But I found that and, and some people were just waiting for me to fall, not so that they could help me up, but so that they could help me stay down, you know. But there is a stronger one, a greater one that is in us than the one that is in the world. And there is a love, of, according to Colossians 3, I believe verse 16, that tells us to allow the word of God to dwell in us richly, to be able to walk in the fullness of it. And I love uh, verse three in Colossians chapter three, you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. That means that shame has already been judged and paid for. Whatever happened to you, if you were victimized, that was not your fault and that is not your identity. But our responsibility is definitely to seek the kingdom, seek the help, seek the healing, the wholeness that he, that the father provides for us. That part is up to us. We have the right to make the decision to be made whole. We have the right to choose wholeness and nobody can withhold it from you. God, what God gives you, he, he has the way of escape or he has the way the door to open to allow you to receive what he has. And we simply tell him, I want this wholeness. I want this healing. You don't have to tell every tawdry story. You don't have to give everybody your whole uh, case book of all of the evil and the things that you have done. And, and, you know, when you were seven, this happened. And when you were nine, this happened. I mean, you don't need to regurgitate all that nonsense. You really don't. It's only the discovery of the parts that have to do with what wounded you, with what hurt you, with what keeps you out of a sane place, not willing to allow help, um, not seeing or asking the spirit of God to show you what spirits are around me, what things have been assigned to me that you want to get off that you want me to rebuke and tell to go, you see, or you want somebody else to do it and you're going to teach me how to reinforce it and walk in the victory. We have been trained by society and by the, the typical upbringings to live according to our feelings, our emotions, the things of our soul. They're told you do what you feel, do what you feel is right. No, you don't. You do what God says is righteousness. And what God says is the power to overcome. There are a lot of beliefs that we still carry that do not line up with what the father is saying. And they keep us stumbling little foxes that spoil the vine. And we keep stumbling over them because we want to hold on to a comfortable belief that is absolutely kicking our tails up and down the road. You understand things that belong under your feet, but you allow to stay in your face and you don't have to. This is still talking about relationships, the most powerful relationship. Before we get to marriage, I said we were going to talk about sonship and we're going to look at it in the, the dynamics of this relationship, the dynamics of things that you go around confessing 
but you don't go about manifesting. And that's where we're going to get to. And so I don't see any questions and I don't, you know, I don't want to prolong this today. Mayhap I'm giving you something to think about. And I, I, I really pray it's more than just think about it, but to allow it to start to penetrate into the parts of your life so that victory is something that is, let me not even say commonplace, but every day. I mean, you know, I had people pray things over me that I started and that a couple of, I, I typically pray surprise me, Lord, and surprise my friends and those words. But for the last couple of weeks, it has not been every day. And so, uh, but I found this particular week when there's been all kinds of stuff that has been coming against me, um, all kinds of just challenges that were um, not, not my favorite ones, okay? But interestingly, I've been getting these little surprises that have been coming from very uh, surprising sources. And they're words of, of encouragement and words, uh, you know, you, you're doing great. And thank you for basically, thank you for your service because I'm not military. I'm, um, ministry. <laughs> thank you for your service. That's funny. Anyway, things of that sort. And it's just an appreciation. And it made me think, you know, this is what God does. He sends somebody to tell you, thank you. Thank you for standing. Thank you for walking this out. Thank you for not quitting. Thank you for getting up again. Thank you for believing me. Thank you for trusting me. You don't think that the creator, possessor of the heavens and the earth wants to tell you thank you. He does. He tells us thank you. Why? Because we give him something to work with and some, a vessel to work through. And the more he can purify us and pour out through us, the more lives are going to be changed all around us. And that is the goal is not to live for yourself not to live for the relationship with yourself, but to allow the relationship with him to flow through, to, to mature your self-relationship so that through that, you're able to present a whole person or someone that is constantly going through until we can finally say, be made whole. I am made whole. It's possible else Jesus would not have, he, he, pro, he pronounced that leper, you are clean, which meant you are whole. You are complete. There's nothing missing anymore. And all of the things that, that, or were missing from your life have been restored. See, that's what being whole, you go through the restoration per, uh, period. You go through the, you first, the redemptive period, which brings about the restoration, which puts you back into the original uh, relationship with God or, or brings you to the place where we can go to original intent, which is what he meant for all along, <clears throat> excuse me, which is what Jesus came to give us back. So, these are some of the levels that we're talking about. This, this kingdom thing of ours is unlike anything else. It is the most amazing, wonderful life. It is a testimony of victory every single day. And much, much of the time, unfortunately, we have not experienced it because we've been okay with what we could manufacture ourselves. Or we've been okay with everything that was just about us and not enough that was about others. You've got to get past. You want to talk about a mature son. It has to be about somebody other than you. It has to be about others. It has to be the willingness to lay down your life for your friends, for your 
your brother. It has to become a thing where you do not require a thank you from men. You don't require that they remember you. You don't require the, these things that uh, can easily hurt our feelings. Instead, we're going to get, I'm not telling you that thank yous aren't necessary because they certainly are, all right? I'm not telling you that there's not, not a desire to be appreciated. Of course there is. But what I'm saying is that the neediness departs from us, the need to have others worship us. And instead, we let people be free to worship God. And that includes ourselves. Now, some of you will ponder what I'm saying. Some of you are going to still live in it for a while until revelation comes. However it is, you're not being judged. You understand? But if there's anything we can do to help you, we want to do that because this is what the world has been waiting for. What all of creation has been waiting for is the manifestation of the sons of God, people that walk in the truth that we are his sons, not according to everything we know in our head, but according to how we live our lives. And as it was in the word, when Jesus was baptized before he did a miracle or anything else, and it was said of him, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. I don't know how many of us believe that God has actually said that about us. I'm pleased to have you as my own. I'm pleased to call you my son. I'm pleased to have you as part of my family. Uh, these are some of the beautiful things in any normal family household. When a new child is born, they are welcomed. They are not assigned chores. They are not judged according to how much, how clean they keep their diapers. They're not judged according to the way they cry or don't or any of that. They are welcomed. They are loved. They are desired. This is my beloved child in whom I am well pleased simply for being here, simply because they're born. And then comes the walk and the talk. And all of the wonderful aspects of life, the learning and the, and the giving up, the letting go of everything that is of this world that you thought you had to hold on to like an orphan would hold on to a, a backpack or, or some, uh, foster children many times everything they own is in a, in a sports bag or a backpack or a paper bag or something. And I've heard people talk about these things and that they would carry it with them in every room of the house. They didn't trust anybody. They were always ready to go because they did not have a track record of being allowed to stay anywhere very long. So that's a wound. That's an orphan. That's the spirit of the orphan, the vagabond, the one that doesn't have any place to stay. But you and I, see, by the spirit of adoption, which is the spirit of sonship, which you find in Romans chapter 8, we've been given the honor and the privilege to be known as God's sons. And he has, he has taken that privilege for himself, that honor, that delight, that pleasure to call us that. Now, there's a, a disconnect somewhere in there about what that means. And I'm in my father's house, but is it okay to sit on the furniture? Or is it okay to ask him that? Is it okay to do this? And in the beginning, it may just be all about you. But then there comes the day that we become as the one whose body we are, as the Christ. And we start to see it 
very, very differently. The privileges and, and all of the things of royalty, that the power that we, that we wield from that royal place to be able to execute into place the will of our father. And it's all um, Ma Matthew 11, I believe it is in the message translation where he basically says it's a father and son operation. Learn how I do this. Watch how I walk in relationship with my father because that's the relationship he wants to have with you. This is what we're talking about. He loves us with an everlasting love. We don't understand that. Oh, I understand it, Pastor Lindsay, and I understand it. Okay, well, everybody but, <laughs> you know, whoever you are, you understand it, and maybe you do. I'm not going to try to take that away from you or argue, but I do find that most people who claim to understand it walk in ignorance at the same time, and so it's like, let's let the fruit grow. Let's not inspect it for ourselves because the father is the one that picks it off the tree and feeds us with it. And it's just an absolutely beautiful opportunity that we have this kingdom thing of ours, this relationship with the father and then with him in us. That's the relationship with self. It's not me, but it's the Christ in me. That's the relationship. And he starts to show you who you are and you get to see things about yourself and you get to ask him certain types of questions. I may tell you about those sometime, but there's a certain kind of question that he, he teaches you to ask him so that he can fulfill things for you. And then we go on into the way he gets to express the questions. Then he asks you that he gets to express his answer through us. And this is an eternal thing. It is not a temporary thing. The part we play in the earth is part of the season, but then there's another. And, and every season of our lives, you know, is just a marvelous marvelous thing. So I'm going to leave it at that tonight. As I said, I don't thank you, Minister Frederick, for all of the um, comments or the, the quotes of me and repeat. And Miss Penny, I'm so glad to see you here too. Thank you so much. So having said all that, um, it is Wednesday night and it's also the time that we receive the uh, ministry tithes and offerings and so forth. And so, yes, I'll even help you out a little bit here, Frederick. Uh, you all know what to do as far as the giving is concerned. And so, uh, you know, go ahead and do that. So these are two astounding love. And um, I think that's really it. I am definitely loving you. I'm definitely praying for you. Um, do the homework. I'm challenging you. Yep, that's the one, Frederick. I love that scripture. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. That's verse 30. Verses 29 and 28 are pretty nifty too. So that's um, basically it. We bless you as you give. We speak the increase and the return and the heart of God being expressed toward you, whether you give or not. But we release the astounding love of God. Next week, um, it may just be me again, pre-recorded, and then I go with my guest on the 18th, and we'll see how that goes. But I want to thank you so much. Please keep making comments. If you watch the replay of this, ask your questions, reach out, do uh, the things that you know to do. This has been Kingdom 101.
the Astounding Love of Global Church Fellowship Wednesday night Bible study. I am Pastor Lunzing Lee on behalf of Apostle Baker, on behalf of the, my, uh, myself and the ministers and all of the people within the congregation. I thank you for joining us tonight and I bless you with God's astounding love. I'll see some of y'all on Sunday and then I'll see everybody else next week and I'll say good night. Hee <laughs> hee.